The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hamelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I am delighted to welcome back a professional and personal friend, Jill Nussenau, also known as the Veggie Queen. She is a fellow dietitian but she's also a culinary educator who has been teaching plant-based cooking for almost 30 years. She has been ahead of the curve when it comes to embracing plant-based cooking with a focus on local, seasonal, and organic ingredients. Her repertoire has been teaching people about the joys of cooking vegetables and using the pressure cooker. And in the past couple of years, she has incorporated teaching sprouting, fermenting, and preserving foods, as well as ways to incorporate more raw foods into our diet. Ms. Nussanow says, if the food came from the earth, I love to teach people about it. She especially likes to introduce people to new vegetables such as kohlrabi or rutabaga and new to them foods such as quinoa or heirloom beans. Welcome, Jill. It is a delight to have you here. Well, thank you for having me, Melinda. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and to educate people in a very nice way. Well, I could read much more about your bio. I think what our listeners need to know is that you're focused on plant-based. You've written multiple books. But what really sets you apart early on is A, you were focused on plant-based eating when it wasn't a thing, and you also embraced pressure cooking, which I think I'm going to speak for others as well as myself. Pressure cooking was always intimidating for me. I was afraid of it. And then you embraced electric pressure cooking pots, and that was a whole game changer. So how did you get started with that? Well, I got started with pressure cooking when the Instant Pot electric pressure cooker and other pressure cookers did not exist. And the reason I got started with pressure cooking actually was from another pressure cooking pro, who was Lorna Sass. And the reason I got interested is because I love beans. And the easiest way to cook beans kind of fast is with the pressure cooker. Now, I grew up with my mother's pressure cooker, and I have to say, it was a scary experience. I avoided the kitchen. I heard that, and I was like, oh, no. So I stepped into the pressure cooking world when the newer pressure cookers came out that just have a little pop-up valve and didn't make that scary noise. And I started cooking that way. And then I thought, oh, maybe I should teach people about this. And I love teaching. So I brought my pressure cookers into the place where I was teaching cooking. And I started teaching people how to use the stovetop pressure cooker. Then along came the electric pressure cooker. And I was so not sold on it that someone needed to explain to me why I would want to use it. And she said, you know, you could put your food in and you could take your dog for a walk and you could come home and your brown rice would be ready. And I thought, oh, that's magic. And so I got an electric pressure cooker. Now I have many, but I got one. I started playing with it and I thought, yeah, 
And the beauty of this is that most Americans who were terrified of the pressure cooker, the old ones, whether it made a lot of noise or not, they embraced the electric pressure cooker because it's a very American type of gadget. You set it, you forget it, you come back and you have food. Although it's misnamed because it's called the Instant Pot, but you still have to actually spend time cooking. The interesting thing about it is that the stovetop pressure cooker actually takes less time than the electric pressure cooker, but you cannot put in your food, take your dog for a walk and come home and have your food just right. So I think the electric pressure cooker is one of the best inventions in the last 20 years because of how many people have embraced it and how it makes food taste great. And it's great to pressure cook your beans. So I'm doing a class on cooking beans from dry. I thought everybody knows how to do this. It turns out there are a lot of people who are totally intimidated about taking a dry bean and turning it into something edible. I Mm -hmm. didn't know. So it's a way for people to do it. The sad part about the Instant Pot is a lot of people buy them and have them sitting in their closet or garage for a year or two before they open it and use it. So one of my goals is to get people to take it out of the box and actually cook with it. And the first thing I have people do is water because you can't ruin water and you can't do anything wrong. And it's a great start. Right. Well, before our interview, I did a little research on Instant Pots, and I learned that the latest statistic says that one in three people own one. And I know there are other brands. It's not like we're just going to be promoting one particular brand. But the joy of it, like you, I wanted to have beans. I wanted to have them quickly, and I didn't want to buy them in cans anymore. For one thing, if you buy a can of beans, you're going to have waste. That you, you know, you've got a thing that you got to throw away. In addition to that, many food cans are lined with BPA, bisphenol, and it is an endocrine disruptor. So I wanted to move away from canned foods, but I didn't want to give up my beans. And when I say that using this electric pressure cooker is a game changer, I can have hummus, you know, I can think about, oh, yeah, hummus might be nice, and I can have it very quickly, starting with dried beans, not even doing the pre-soak, which is also, you know, you have to plan in advance for that. Well, I have some pre-soak tips and tricks. And, you know, you can do the quick soak where you put water above the beans and you can boil it in your Instant Pot and turn it off and leave it for an hour. I have what I call the quicker soak, which I'm doing right now while I'm talking to you, which is I put my Instant Pot on zero, low pressure, And do the same thing, bring the water, put the water in there. And that takes about 25 minutes. And then I dump it and then I cook. Or you can soak when you think about it any way that you want. You can quick soak, you can overnight soak, you can morning to night soak. And then what you do is you take those beans and you drain them and you put them in your freezer and you label them soaked but not cooked. And then when you want your beans, you pull out that container of beans and you're like ready to go. Mm. I don't even bother with that. I just put the beans (laughs) in the pot, cover them with water, turn the cooker on, go do something else. And then I'm ready for my dish. So 
like you, I think this is a fabulous tool for getting beans, which are really a key component of plant-based diets. And we should probably talk about when you became a vegetarian and regardless of whether people are vegetarians or not, what we want people to do is eat more plant-based foods because they're so high in fiber, right? Do you want to say anything about why you love plant-based diets? Well, for me, it is the easiest way to eat because I've done it for so long. And we're talking a really long time since I was a teenager, mostly. And there was not any of this plant-based stuff in the markets. So it was all real food. But I feel better. I think my digestion is better. And I think, and, and the statistic on fiber is so scary. I just heard one and it may or may not be true that only 10% of people are getting the amount of fiber they need a day. Yeah. And I'm probably making up for some people. So I'm not sure what's happening. That is appalling. 90% of people are not getting enough fiber and Every plant food has it. So you don't have to choose just one. There is a recommendation that you have 30 different foods in a week. And people are very terrified of that. But, you know, it doesn't have to be so scary. And you don't have to do it all at once. And I highly recommend for people who are trying to increase their fiber that they do it slowly. Because too much fiber as I just recently found out, eating too many Brussels sprouts, um, can cause a little irritation to your gut. And you want to make sure you have plenty of liquid when you're having fiber. So I think fiber is super important. You don't have to be vegetarian. You don't have to be vegan. And if you want to call yourself plant-based, please don't eat the processed food that you'll find in the store because People think they're doing a great thing for themselves. I'm plant-based. You know, I eat Impossible Burgers and Beyond Burgers and Gardein fake meat and any brand. I don't care what it is. And lots of, you know, fake cheese and fake this and fake that. The real thing is what we really need, what our bodies run on. And so it's really about fruits and vegetables in season. And I have to say, I have an apple tree, a Granny Smith apple tree, not my favorite apple, but I got the tree with the house. And I used to not be a huge fan of apples. And then I realized that they are a fruit that's in season for a really long time because they hold so well. And I was like, I'm going to embrace apples. And I call the winter apple pear citrus season because that's pretty much what it is. There's a few other fruits thrown in from various places, but that's what it is. And I think, especially maybe as Americans, we rail against that. We're like, we want our peaches. And if you've ever bought a peach from South America in the wintertime, it is usually so disappointing <laughs> that you wish you never thought you wanted it. Yeah. So, and food traveling really makes very little sense Although bananas are always going to travel, but for people to think of what grows where I live, and I know the winter is challenging for a lot of people because maybe there's a not a lot growing, but often there are things growing. If you have a CSA that you belong to, I know some of them go all year round, even if it's snowy. Right. So I think it's important to think. 
used to tell my students that I'm like, you may not like me that much, but I'm going to try to make you think. That's what Food Sleuth Radio is all about, helping people think beyond their plate. And when I was doing some studying before our interview, I wanted to see what the 2023 food trends were. Because as I mentioned, you are ahead of the curve on many of them. So in addition to plant-based eating, climate consciousness. So yeah, isn't it great to have a strawberry if you're not thinking about where it's coming from and how many miles it's traveled? Just wait until they're in season. I think they taste so much better. So we are on the same page on that, not surprisingly. I also want to commend you for your comments on these plant-based, highly processed foods. They will never pass my lips. I don't care how similar they taste to real meat. I don't have any desire to eat a lot of chemicals, highly processed foods that have traveled a long distance and come wrapped in plastic packaging. So many reasons not to eat those kinds of highly processed plant-based foods. Don't kid yourself. And many more reasons to check out your website, veggiequeen.com. And you have great videos, I might add, helping people learn how to cook basic plant-based foods. Well, thank you, Melinda. I have to say about the burgers, I actually have tasted them. And my comment was, oh, this tastes so much like meat. And the person serving it to me said, it's not for you. It's for people who eat meat. They're the ones who are trying to capture. And I was like, well, I feel like I would rather them eat really high quality meat than eat this. Absolutely. As far as the burgers, I make a lot of veggie burgers, and my husband has recently gotten on my veggie burger page, and he was like, you can make those anytime, and I will eat them. And I thought, wow, we've come a long way. Right. And, you know, they're different every time, but he's one of those people he grew up with cans and frozen and all kinds of stuff. Like, he always wants the soup to taste exactly the same. And I've tried to explain to him, I'm not Kraft or Campbell's or it's going to be a little different every time because I'm a human being. And he says, well, don't you have a recipe? I'm like, yeah, but that onion was different than the last onion. And, you know, I can't explain it to him. (laughs) That is the beauty of real food. It's never the same. Okay. Jill, we've got to take a little break because we are halfway through and I need to remind our listeners that if you are just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. And today we are joined by Ms. Jill Nussenau. She is a fellow dietitian. She is a culinary educator and she has been teaching plant-based cooking for almost 30 years. She also teaches people how to do things like sprouting, fermenting, and preserving foods. She has a fabulous website, theveggiequeen.com, and you can see videos on her YouTube channel. And if you've ever bought an instant pot and you get a cookbook with it, you will see Jill's recipes along with some others. So you are well known in the pressure cooking world. Only your specialty is how do we cook whole food meals using the pressure cooker? All right, let's go back and talk about digestion and energy. We have not been well as a country. We aren't well. We've just come through a pandemic. People are still dying of COVID. And 
we have suffered with low energy. We have been suffering with obesity for our whole careers as dietitians. Lots of metabolic disorders, things like high blood sugar, high blood pressure, a lot of abdominal weight gain, which is the most dangerous. So you really focus on the benefits of whole foods. Tell me about why you are so focused on digestion. Because that's where... 70% of our immune system lies is in our gut. And our guts are very sensitive. And it goes from your mouth all the way to the end. A lot happens in your small and large intestines. And things can happen that aren't so good. And I think a lot of people don't realize how they truly feel until they start to feel better. I think that we, as a country, you know, we eat on the run, we eat in our car, we don't take the time. I teach breathing and I teach people that before they eat, maybe they want to spend two or three minutes breathing and getting their whole system into the rest and digest system, as opposed to fight, flight, or freeze, which is incredibly important. And I think it was partly what drew me to fermentation is, well, one thing, I love fermented foods, always have, but that I could do it myself and that these are so good for you. And I just heard a doctor saying that they think that we need to, on the my plate from the government, include fermented foods as one of the categories. Now, I don't believe I'm going to see that happening in this lifetime, but I love the idea. And eating those fermented foods stimulates your gut. They are delicious. They can be high in sodium, but you don't eat that much of them. And it's what you eat doesn't matter as much as what you digest. And so if your digestion is poor, it's going to affect your whole being. And I think along with what you eat, movement is incredibly important. It's not just one or the other. We actually have to move our bodies. And for many years, I've said, and it's just a hard thing to do, that if you walked 10 minutes after every meal, it would help you digest better. And I don't know if that's really true, but it gets people to get 30 minutes a day in, which is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. um, how we need to do that. We just need to, we're beings that are meant to move. And I think the biggest issue is how we've gotten so far away from nature and what our bodies need that we no longer intuitively know. Right. I really like that you brought up this issue of 10 minutes of activity after a meal. I was thinking about it from some new research that came out showing that just a 10 minute walk after you eat, and it can be within, you know, 30, 45, even an hour after, you will help lower your blood sugar, which is so critical in a society where the rates of type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes are rising rapidly. So it's a really good resolution to make as we enter the new year. We're thinking about how can we improve how we feel and how we look rather than adopt some crazy diet Focusing on eating well and taking care of ourselves is critical, which is why I wanted to have you with me today. I also wanted you to talk about breathing. And while I realize that air is not included in the dietary guidelines and breathing, 
like including fermented foods, I think we should very much be connecting how we breathe to how well we're going to digest and therefore absorb our nutrients. I also like how breathing impacts cortisol levels and stress hormones and how that, of course, impacts abdominal weight gain. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into having a breathing schedule and practice, I should say? Well, about three years ago, I started practicing breathing. I attended an online summit and I fell in love with breathing. But actually, it was before that, when my mother was going through her final stages of life, that until you're with someone and you see what happens, the breathing changes. And we come into the world with a breath. And we go out of the world with a breath. And at that point, I thought, breath is life. We need this. And yes, we all breathe every day. But conscious breathing is a very, very different thing. It doesn't take a long time. It does take a little practice. And so I kind of just fell in love with it. And as I did it, I thought fairly immediately, I want to teach this. And I started teaching small groups and I love it. And once people learn how this technique, you have it with you forever. And one of the big, big things is not breathing through your mouth. So breathing consistently through your nose, not easy to do if you're running, but if you're doing any other activity, you can pretty much do it, but it becomes a practice. And I think as People, we sometimes shy away from doing the practices that are very beneficial for us, especially the easy ones like breathing, but it's like the precursor for sleep and sleep is such an important part of this whole equation here that we don't take into account. But I want to go back to that cortisol because that's so important. I had a student in my breathing class who was a type one diabetic. She told me she had trouble getting her blood sugar into the normal range regularly. And she was testing her blood sugar pre-breathing and after breathing. And she said after doing the breathing, her blood sugar levels came down to normal levels. Now, I can't say that that will work for everyone, but it really does change your entire nervous system and respiratory system and Let's face it, we are one body. We are, I, I just heard Dr. Andrew Weil say, the only way you can separate mind and body is with words. And yeah. otherwise, they are connected. And so we tend to think, oh, yeah, my whatever, you know, hurts. But it's like my body hurts, my brain hurts, my this hurts, my that hurts, or I feel good. And that's what I want for everybody. I want everybody to wake up with lots of energy, feeling great and saying, hooray, I have this day and I want to spend it filled with gratitude and love and kindness. And if you could call me anything, maybe you'd call me the love dietitian, the love nutritionist, but it's all connected. Your breath is connected to everything. Absolutely, Jill. I want to go back and focus a little bit on a breath exercise. We don't have much time left, but if people are listening, I'm intrigued because of the blood sugar issue. I want to know 
what breathing exercise, how much time do I have to spend doing this? What is an exercise you can leave our listeners with? Well, one that Dr. Weil really likes, and he promoted it, and somebody else I know calls it the cadence of bliss. And more than the exercise is really learning to breathe into your belly and your diaphragm instead of your upper chest. That's the most important thing. But what it is, is you take a breath in and fill your belly for one, two, three, four, and you hold your belly out for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then on the exhale, you pull your belly in for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Best to do this with your eyes closed, sitting up straight so you can have a full breath. And I highly encourage a gentle smile on your face because it relaxes your body. And If you do that, I don't know how many times, four, five, six, seven, which may take a total of five minutes, and you continue to do it, your body reacts to that in a most positive way. Mm. And it really does change your physiology. It changes what you think and how you feel. And it is a breath that almost everybody can do. The other thing that's so beautiful is humming. Humming puts you in tune with yourself. And if you're a good singer, or even if you're not, you can sing and it does the same thing. Well, these are great tips as we go into a new year, wanting to feel better about ourselves and bring forth more joy. So it's not just about the food. Food is critical, but it's also about, as you say, it's the whole body I know that we just have a couple of minutes left and I want to open the floor to you. Is there anything that we have not touched on that you want our listeners to know? I would like to mention mushrooms just briefly because now they've come into the limelight. And I would say the thing with mushrooms is very similar to what's happened with plant-based foods. Like don't be sold a bill of goods. Like you must have mushroom coffee. Eat your mushrooms, and when you eat them, eat them cooked. And if you are a wild mushroom hunter, never eat a mushroom that you don't know because there's a little saying, you can be an old mushroom hunter, a bold mushroom hunter, but there's no old, bold mushroom hunters. So, right, and and related to the breath, we can live longer without food and water than we can without breath. True. What is it about mushrooms that you find so important to include in the diet? Well, they're an incredible source of beta-glucans, and that's an important fiber. And they also stimulate your immune system, almost every mushroom. And I think it's that. And for shiitake and other mushrooms, they add a lot of umami flavor. And so it's a way they do those blended burgers with mushrooms and meat. It's a way to bulk up your food and have something really delicious. They are not a vegetable. They are a fungi and fungi are more like us than anything else. So I highly encourage people to eat them. Doesn't matter whether they're white, they're brown, they're portobello, which is just a big cremini. Any mushroom is really good. 
That's so interesting. All right. We've got to close because we're out of time. So I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemelgarn for KOPN Studios in Columbia, Missouri. But most of all, I want to thank my guest, Ms. Jill Nussenau. She is also known as the Veggie Queen. She is a fellow dietitian. She's an extraordinary culinary educator, and she has been teaching about plant-based cooking for longer than it has been a trend. She's also an expert in sprouting, fermenting, and preserving foods. Her website, theveggiequeen.com. You can find lots of information there. I highly recommend her Tidbits newsletter. She's got books. She talks about spice blends and much more. Jill, you're a wonderful resource for good health for all. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Melinda. It's always a pleasure.